0: Hey Fitness Business Secrets listeners, today we're going to listen to the second part of our interview with Allie Cavill. In the last episode, we spoke to Allie about her 20,000 follower Instagram techniques and how she's setting up a successful outdoor boot camp. Now she's done more, so today we're going to talk to her and learn from her how she contracts with summer camps and other spring break and winter break types of kids camps to offer kids fitness activities as Part of their CAPS curriculum. Since she's a traveling instructor and she's providing the class, she also technically needs to provide all of the equipment. So, what does she do when she has up to 40 kids in her yoga class? We'll find out what her solution is. Next, we're going to learn how she can even charge up to 500 Australian dollars, which is about 445 US dollars for each session that she teaches. If this makes you excited, great because Allie's also going to tell us tips and mistakes to avoid if you wanted to also offer kids fitness activities to kids camps stay tuned fitness coaches get more clients by learning the secret techniques successful trainers and gym owners are using to grow their business in person and online create multiple streams of income by training clients online selling challenges and growing your membership. This is the Fitness Business Secrets Podcast, and I'm your host, Christy Oshita. I've built two fitness businesses to about a half million dollars each by improving marketing, sales, and operations. Let's grow your sales and your clients. Before we get to the show, I wanted to talk about how kids' fitness could be a great fit for your business like how it is for Allie's. The key is to figure out what angle and business, business model that you will do. I highly suggest a business model like Ally's, which contracts with some type of school or organization to offer your services directly to them. So public school offerings could work also but I would place a big bet that you would make a lot more money offering your services to private organizations such as private camps or private schools since they are paid directly to entertain and educate the students now it can be hard and I just want to give you a heads up that kids are exhausting you need to be like on it it's a very impactful hour and you will leave probably drained because I used to teach a ton of kids classes I remember coming home and I couldn't even speak for a couple of hours because of the amount of energy and yelling you kind of need to have. So just want to put it out there that if, if the idea of making a couple hundred dollars in an hour is great to you if you're doing this private run service, and I think it is, is that it can be extremely exhausting. So you have to really love kids. And the couple hundred is really going to be a special case. Not, I, fi- I didn't make that much money in most of the scenarios. And if I did, I'd have to have one or two other instructors. The other thing to keep in mind with kids programming, especially for if you're doing it for some type of day camp, is equipment. Um, getting lots of times these organizations to have that hundred, hundred fifty or two hundred fifty dollars to pay you for coming out is is they give you a lot of kids. You need to you need to be able to handle forty to even fifty kids. And sometimes they'll have helpers like these interns, but they're kind of like teenagers. So there's they're not really going to be super helpful. They're just going to make sure none of the kids kind of hurt themselves. <laughs> so so in my situation, I was doing a lot of tennis for kids for the Bumblebee Tennis in New York City. And so getting you'd have to have a racket for every kid. So it really kind of didn't work in that scenario. But let's talk about let's say some type of nearby summer camp and they're like oh great we would love to offer a fitness program so you want to choose a class type or curriculum that doesn't involve a lot of equipment so like if you do boxing you don't actually want to say there's going to be boxing gloves if you don't have the money to buy 50 gloves or design it the curriculum where only a few people have gloves and other people do cardio or strength training. I mean, depending on the age of the kids. Usually the kids will be younger if you get that large 40 to 50 group program because that's where the money is with under probably 10, 10 year olds. That's where a lot of camps are. And then as the kids get older, they'll do more specialized camps. So also assume that your demographic for these day camp summer camp programs are probably going to be between five to maybe 10 years old since you now know that if you do this type of business model and you'll have a lot of kids everything else needs to be based around that and that's going to go along with the space so if they give you like 40 or 50 kids in the space is really small. You have to check it out because that'll totally change the type of curriculum. You can do the equipment. It might be too dangerous if there's too close to each other. What is the backup space in case it rains? You definitely want to make sure there's a cancellation policy. You don't want to be canceled. So you still want to show up and they're going to still make you do activities with them. So you may have to be clear that if your activity is soccer, that The indoor soccer is going to be more like a balloon and you're going to do other types of activities. And they'll probably be okay with that. Just let them know ahead of time to make sure that you don't get canceled and that you're not stuck in a tough place in case it rains. And then equipment. For us, tennis was a big thing and it was a great service to offer But regarding managing it and giving five-year-olds tennis rackets, oh my gosh. I was constant yelling at kids, telling them to get back on their spot, like worrying and thankfully no one really got hurt for the tons of lessons we offered. But it did happen if not more so because they got hit by the tennis ball. So you want to really think about the equipment that you're going to use and it's okay for kids under nine even To use modified equipment that's safer for that that group and that age level, and the amount that you're going to be able to supervise them, because you're not going to be able to supervise them as much. These are not one-on-one lessons. These are not semi-private lessons. These are activities to get them, give them a feel for the sport, to keep them active, and really the reality is is for the organization whether it's the day camp or the after school program to be able to put on their their curriculum form that they offer that sport whether it's yoga that you're going to offer a boot i mean boxing or tennis now i'm going to finish with a slightly funny story so i remember and maybe inspirational story i remember when i first started out i was in queens and i was trying to get into some summer summer programs or after school programs and there is a a private school around 14th street in manhattan and i called and called the 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 activities coordinator and and they're a very easy person to get in touch with and they do want to offer good programming so it's it's not a hard sell you just have to follow up and actually execute and offer a good a good service uh, a good curriculum also and so she finally said, "Okay, send me over something." So I was like, "Okay." So I got—I spent like a whole day trying to get, put together a really nice brochure. I put a picture of someone jumping with a tennis racket in the school, and I put all the—I wrote out all the benefits. And then she's like, "Okay, well, how much are you going to charge? How does it work?" And and for this, because it was a after school program that I was going to do, the, the the parents paid for it. They paid about like twenty five dollars per head, and this was in Manhattan, and maybe the school took some money from it I'm not really sure but 25 dollars per per head for each class and these kids were probably between six and nine that's that's a pretty good deal especially because the the parent doesn't need to take them anywhere they they stay after school they do the program and then they get picked up so I had I did this program for a couple years but I remember I think it was a second or third year it was a hard program because tennis is hard to teach especially in these big groups and the kids are extremely tired after school and and because we got paid per student we wanted to make every student happy for sure and so this wasn't um, like a setup with like the 40 kids this was like a private you know it doesn't have to be perfect tennis but It still needs to feel like tennis and you need to keep the kids active, entertained. So I tried really hard and we would be put in different locations and it would be, you know, sometimes we're on the roof, sometimes we're in the cafeteria and sometimes the kids were just bouncing off the wall. And I because there was so many kids we would I would have and I made sure there was only like five or six kids per instructor so this is a very like you know very high-end type of program versus 20 kids with one instructor I I I bring the instructors and and the idea of course is you want to accumulate a bunch of schools this is one business model and then send your instructors there and we could get on that whole topic real long but if you ever shoot for that idea just just make sure you got the curriculum down because it is very very hard to send instructors just unless they're fully trained love kids understand child development to these schools and be able to manage these these rambunctious kids into playing a sport that they're you know it's not even the best like setup it's it's hard so just keep that in mind if you want to scale your program but i sent some instructors there and one of the kids got hit by a tennis ball. I think I kind of got a report. And, you know, the instructor's like, oh, she was okay. I was like, okay. And then, of course, I get a call from the head of the programming. And there she's like, you know, I got a call from a mom. And she was not happy because her hit, kid got hit by a tennis ball. And the thing is, is I knew who the kid was. And, and I think I and the other instructor's kind of guessed who the mom was because she was famous so because this is 14th street in the middle of Manhattan maybe about 10 years ago and a lot of successful rich celebrities go to this went to this school and so the head of the the director of the after school programming called me and she's just like okay there's a problem one of the students got hit by a tennis ball and the mom called me and she was very upset and I was like shoot I was like was it was it Liz and basically the mother of Liz was Julia Julianne Moore the actress and I was like I don't think I even said that but we both knew that that's not a fun conversation to have to apologize to this big celebrity about their daughter getting hit by a tennis ball so that was super stressful so unfortunately you hopefully you won't have to deal with that kind of thing but the the dangers from equipment and space and whatever activity you do offer is real but the profits are real it's very profitable it's reoccurring and there's no rent so hopefully that's helpful and now Ali's going to tell us how she runs her kid's business. Today we're doing the second part of our interview with Ali Cavill. If you haven't listened to the first part you should definitely check it out because it has great Instagram tips and how to set up your own outdoor boot camp. Her biggest revenue for her fitness services is her Fit Fantastic Fun Kids program that partners with day camps to provide fitness activities to the kids. Besides her main business, she's sort of an influencer by writing for magazines like Elle, Good Health, and Women's Fitness. In addition, she does some glamorous acting roles and helps with charity such as Multiple Sclerosis. So it's it sounds like the theme came to you and the, the kids loved it. But I'm mm. thinking, how did you even get started? You mentioned to me before we started that you had 40 to 100 kids in your program. So that's a lot of kids. Where do you hold, hold, hold the camps? Do you pay rent on it? And wh- where do yeah. you get a, like, something the kids need to be in um, shade here and there, eat snacks. How, how do you, yeah, yeah. How that up? So
1: I actually I actually travel around as an incursion for a vacation care center. So vacation centers and community centers run a whole day program for kids. Part of that is an incursion where a provider will come in and deliver a one and a half hour or two hour activity and that's where i come in so i get booked by vacation centers after school centers community centers and schools to come in and just run that activity so luckily for me a lot of the other um, considerations are already taken into account so the vacation care center runs by a number of rules where they already have the ratio of providers for the children they already have the sun cream and the morning tea breaks worked out. So I get to just, you know, sort of show up um, and and provide the activity. And, yeah, so a lot of the costs are already built into what I'm already delivering. I've also got a, an agent who does a lot of my bookings for me, uh, which mm-hmm. takes off that that admin side. So I prepare all the policies, procedures, and the invoices, and then she will handle a lot of the bookings. But it did take a lot of legwork to begin with. So I was looking up all of the councils in my area and a bit wider, so all throughout Sydney. And I had some correspondence. I emailed them, letting them know what I was doing, what I was charging, and, and if they had any availabilities and wanted to book me in.
0: Hmm. How yeah. was that did that did, was that how that hard I, it sounds like you had a great background in hR but getting yeah. your foot in the door was was it just in demand or did you was it a process it,
1: it was in demand luckily, I had a lot of things on the go, so i wasn't sort of sitting around unemployed waiting to hear back, so it sort of happened quite fluidly and things built up over each holidays to the point now where I'm fully booked and they'll sort of try to squeeze in an extra session here or there. But it it did grow over a few years. And as it grew, I was able to shift the focus from my weekday work to being the school holidays as, as a huge focus. So the school holidays will actually cover a lot of my financial costs and burden over the school term
0: well what school holidays do you how many school holidays are you doing your program
1: four all four holidays yeah so christmas easter spring was that one two three and autumn yeah so we've got four holidays in there the biggest one is the summer holidays which is about six weeks and then the other three are two weeks
0: Oh, okay. Got it. I was, I wasn't sure if summer would be considered a holiday, just probably different terminology. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. So that's great. So, okay. So that does keep you really busy because for Mm, about six weeks you're fully busy and then another six during the thing. When you say that um, you have two camps every Mm. day, does that mean you have two, one and a half hour camps every day? Is that what it means? Yeah. So I do. 10am and
1: 12.30 or 1pm camps and that's because they're at different locations so I'll have a bit of driving in between and just to go to different centres sometimes every now and again I'll have a booking for a two hour but the most popular and most common is the one and a half hours which works really well actually two hours you really need to be having more breaks in the middle yeah so it's it's economically viable for both of us the centre and me to do the one and a half hour.
0: Mm. Got it. So you're going to, so, so it's not even the same like center, like one day. Mm. Yeah. Uh, So I do
1: quite a bit of driving, which is, mm -hmm. is, you know, cool because the amounts that the centers are paying is sort of covers all of that extra stuff that goes into setting up for the camp.
0: Yeah. And do they provide the equipment for you or most? No, no. I've
1: got, I bring everything with me. And I've got really cool. I've got a really cool setup, you know. So for if they've just booked the the boot camp, I've got a separate bag for that. If it's the boxing, I've got a separate bag for that, and the yoga. So I don't sort of have to take all of my equipment every time. I just take whatever boot camp they've uh, booked. I take that equipment bag along with me.
0: Mm-hmm. About how many people are in each chef uh, each session? So the majority usually is close to 40
1: kids. So 35 to 40 kids. I have had with a couple of the councils up to 100 children. And with some of the smaller schools, I've had down to about
0: 20 kids. Oh, wow. Okay. Mm -hmm. How do you bring so much equipment or do you not, like for yoga, do you give, do you really have 40 yoga mats?
1: No. So we don't use yoga mats for the kids' yoga. And that works out really well in that I don't have to provide 40 mats, yeah. but also we do a lot of different moves. So it's really nothing like adult yoga. So I've got a couple of yoga games that I do where they're in teams and they have to pick a card which shows a yoga pose and the whole team has to get into it. And then we vote who's, you know, team looks like they've got in the best pose. We might move around the room Being different sort of animals in the forest, and yeah, so it's it really uh, works well without any obstacles, such as a mat on the ground.
0: Mm Hmm. Yeah, that's really cool. So anybody (laughs) who's interested in getting into kids yoga or the this type of setup, they don't need a lot of equipment. It's a no,
1: they don't. And you've got to be really imaginative and creative, and know what's what works with kids. So I've sort of designs a lot of my own little activities that I'll do with them. And it's based on all the breathing within yoga, you know, so we're, maybe we're blowing little cotton balls along the ground, you know, to work out our breathing and different types of breathing. And, and it, it sort of um, mimics some of Tai Chi as well. So it's really good using your body to get into different positions and to replicate things out in, in our atmosphere and in our environment, such as water and waves and ocean and skies.
0: Yeah. Mm. Neat. For the boxing <laughs> kids camp, do you, mm. you also not really ha- need equipment for that? I actually
1: do. So I was doing um, some high school groups each week where I was going in and, and teaching. They wanted to learn boxing and, and a little bit of self-defense. And so I actually over... few years, collected enough boxing equipment that I can have 40 kids participating. So 20 gloves, 20 sparring pads. So I have luckily got enough for that. However, sometimes I have more than 40 kids, which is fine because with kids, they have a much shorter attention span as well. They're happy to wait or do something else while other people are boxing so I can have three groups for instance or three people to a team um, as well with the little kids so ages five and six they they're quite good without without gloves and we do a lot of shadow boxing and and moves like that maybe we do some kicks um, some knees some yeah so so I've sort of adapted that one over time which has been really cool to see what works
0: yeah okay mm-hmm. So that's really neat for, for the, so I know that you do community centers, vacation places, I would imagine. And then some of them, you know, give you a lot of kids. So I would imagine that like the payment setup is different. Do you do, you, do, you do usually flat rate? Do you do per kid? How do you usually charge them? I do
1: I do two prices. One's under 40 kids and one's over 40 kids. And the reason for that is obviously because of equipment, you know, I'll have to be either bringing more equipment, moving more equipment around, supplying more equipment and the wear and tear on it if it's more than 40 kids. As well, it's just a, a manageable amount and it just indicates you know the, the level of coaching required. If it's under 40, I've got quite a system going where I have maybe in my sports boot camps, I've got four teams of 10. So that that anything lower than 10 as well works really well. But when it's over that, so I've got to put a little bit more time into preparation. Perhaps sometimes we do uh, splitting, so 45 minutes for one group, 45 minutes for another group. So then I've got to arrange that, yeah. So mm-hmm. so the prices, having it over 40, does um, allow for that extra preparation and delivery
0: effort yeah. that I've got to
1: put in. Mm.
0: I would imagine. I'm amazed that you can even manage 40 kids. (laughs) That's a lot of kids. So I'm impressed that you you nonchalantly are like 100 kids.
1: (laughs) I actually love it. I, I was surprised at how easy it did come to me, but I was always, even growing up as a kid, I was the resident babysitter for every neighborhood child or every business friend of mum and dad's that had kids and they wanted to go out for dinner you know so I I was that one that still to this day people leave their their kids with me or their kid will run up and and the parents remarks will be oh the kids love you so yeah it's I enjoy it and they enjoy it so it it works really well
0: yeah do you do anything special for the end of like the summer program
1: for the summer because it's a different center every time it's it's every camp I do we finish up with really cool little activity and it requires no equipment at all so I just get them uh, in a little group they've got to run around and, and give 10 different people a high five and then 13 people an elbow tap and then you know 14 or 15 people a knee tap and then we all sit down together and clap so so yeah I sort of do the same thing to finish up every every camp that I do
0: do you have yep. the same group of kids every week at the same time, like Wednesday afternoon, or is it a different no. group?
1: Yeah, it's a different group. So for example, my first week of the Easter holidays, I was booked at uh, Castle Hill Vacation Care Center. I might be booked at, you know, DY, Chroma. Yeah, so I, I don't see the same kids each holidays. I might see them the next holidays if I'm back at the, center, the same center again.
0: Mm. How about for the mm-hmm. summer? Since you have six weeks. Yeah,
1: no, because for the summer, each centre, so if I, each centre, you know, likes to book in one activity once only and and that just seems to be the way it is with a vacation care centre. So when a parent is uh, paying for their child to attend, they like to see different activities every single day. Yeah, so for example, they wouldn't send them to the same zoo or the same movie or yeah so it yeah unfortunately it's not per holiday there's no real repeat business but you will be booked for the next holidays which is cool it's my first year of doing the different camps the yoga and the boxing as well as the other camps so Mm -hmm. you know I'm really hoping that might that might increase the repeat business per holiday
0: Oh, yeah, that is really smart. Okay, yeah. so I think that that brings me to my next question because I think I was a little confused because I I ran some uh, summer camps for tenants in uh, yes. New York City, and yeah. so I have a different idea. And then when you mentioned vacation, I kind of thought, yeah. when it, when you say vacation, is it still just basically a summer camp locals that locals send their kids to? And yeah, so it's, it's our...
1: It's Mm -hmm. our school holidays. It's our school holidays and every kid that can't go to school and their parents are working, they send them to their local vacation care centre and I go into all of them. But I travel Sydney-wide. In fact, I actually go um, further than Sydney. So I, I do do a day up our, our coast, our northern coast. It takes me about two hours to get there, but it's kind of like a mini break. Even though I've got to work in the middle of it, it's it's a little bit of a mini break. But yeah, it's for all the kids that their parents can't look after them of a day during the school holidays.
0: Oh, okay. Mm. I, kind of, I kind of thought that this was, for when you mentioned, vac- I know you mentioned community and school, and I thought, yes. thought those were regulars. I thought vacation yeah. was for resorts yeah holi- no no, yeah i know it's a little bit of the terminology
1: because i know your summer is um, different to us too our yeah. summer holidays is our christmas holidays so mm-hmm. so it's in instead of the school day when it becomes school holidays it's it's the centers okay. they go to then mm. got it it's like okay for, um, day, daycare centers i guess daycare perhaps centers. you call them yeah but oh, for older yeah. kids okay so it's anything from k to uh, kindergarten to year six mm-hmm the primary school, our primary school, okay. so ages are five to twelve
0: uh huh so you do ages five all the way to twelve, or do you have a specific group that you focus on no
1: so the the um, centers have ages five to twelve, they allow those kids if it 's over forty kids, I will group them on ages just because, you know, of the abilities of the kids. If it's less than 40, we generally just go all together and I mix up the teams. However, sometimes the centres prefer to do it, you know, in their own little groups. They might have kindy, so ages five through to seven together and then eight through to 12 together.
0: hmm Yeah. Mm. But how much do you charge for the under 40 and the over 40 groups? So.
1: Over forty is negotiable. It depends how they want to do it. So if they want to do a two hour and we have a one hour split, splitting up the kids, we'll negotiate a price there. But you're looking around between four hundred and fifty to five hundred dollars.
0: Nice. Okay. Mm. Yeah, that's great. I think. And, um, that's Australian dollars, right? Just in case. Yes, someone... correct. Okay.
1: Yeah. yeah Got <laughs> <laughs> it. And then for under forty. For under 40, it's about 400,
0: marks. Nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you do this all by yourself. You don't even have a staff person yeah. helping you? No,
1: no. I, I've i been fairly, I guess I'm just sort of a self-starter and and I just thought this is a great idea. I started doing it and then it's, it's growing and growing. The reason I haven't brought on someone else, you know, obviously for the extra cost, but also... If I was going to branch out as I hope to do over the next couple of years and and have an extra staff member, I'd then have two camps running, dual camps running um, at different centres rather than having an extra person with me because the vacation care centres have to have their quota of staff on anyway. So I'm able to run it and they have their staff, I guess, supervising and dealing with any incidents or issues or disciplinary issues there.
0: Oh that's really good. That makes sense. Yeah. And I mean in if it, if they didn't you could possibly charge them more, right? Yeah,
1: yeah, that's right. <laughs> Although <laughs> I I sort of I don't like I've never been one to charge more than what the market is out there and yeah, so I I've sort of I've kept my prices pretty low. Mm-hmm. Um and don't sort of necessarily unnecessarily put them up.
0: Right. Okay. So that sounds really interesting. If if you were to uh, grow, do you is it do you already have uh, schools asking you for more times and and that's why or will you have to push marketing farther?
1: No, I think I I would have to market a little bit, but what I would have is an extra staff member as a casual. So if I got second bookings, or same day bookings, then I would use them then. So I wouldn't sort of have to be paying them unless we used them. Um, Mm -hmm. One of the other things is I would then have to have a second set of equipment and that's one of the big expenses. So, for example, I wouldn't want to be laying out another uh, set of 40 boxing gloves, especially if I wasn't going to be getting a lot of bookings. So that's why it's, it's on my list, but I've got to work out the logistics and really figure out what's going to be best for me and my business.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. Mm. So just, you know, wrapping up, it sounds like a really mm-hmm. strong business here. Mm. What would be like the tips and the, the mistakes to avoid if someone wanted to start a similar business, servicing mm-hmm. schools and providing fitness, yes. kids activities? So one of the
1: things I found
0: was that
1: I was getting equipment and I just wasn't able to comfortably move it around or use it. So I've really downsized my equipment and I go for light things that are portable. So I've I've worked out what works and what doesn't work. And I've made sure that the equipment can be transported around easily that would be that's one of my biggest learnings Uh, so trying to take anything too heavy was just not working Uh, to be adaptable and fluid so I can literally arrive at a center and they've changed how many kids they've got or or the day is it's raining you know often that happens it's raining and I'm doing a you know, an outdoor boot camp with them. So you've got to be adaptable. You've got to have your fallback plans and you've got to be the mindset to go with that. You know, ultimately you just want to have a lot of fun with the kids and get them moving and active and occupied for that time. So it doesn't have to run to the exact format that you've used last time.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. Mm. Okay, so those are two really good ones, and I like the equipment thing. I used mm. to have that problem because we had a transporter <laughs> tennis nets. Yeah, yeah. yeah right.
1: <laughs> you got to. Um, I've really had to to sort of work out because uh, as I get better and better at the camps, I I want to add on things every now and again. So, for example, I had the big parachute, and they loved it. In my one on ones with adults training sessions, I started to use a resistance chute. The kids loved it but the one that I had was adult size so I found online these little child size resistance shoots so I I brought them along as well and I've used them a lot of the time if you know we've got some extra time at the end or if there's a smaller amount people think the big big groups are the hardest but actually sometimes it'll be the even smaller groups because you run through every activity so much quicker and then you're sitting there thinking what will I do to finish this time so yeah so you've got to have Uh, Things that'll work if you've got time left over or things that'll work if some of the activities you do just do not work with that group of
0: kids. Right, right. And do you have any tips for people starting kids camps of how to get ideas for activities? Yeah,
1: so I've just done a lot of research online. I've sort of looked at what games work, how you can do them and then looking at what equipment is on offer so a lot of the equipment stores have children's equipment have a look at that and that will give you the idea as to what's selling out there and what schools are using and what what kids are enjoying and and maybe what you could afford to buy and take and start to use but also to use your strengths you know so what sport was it that you loved as a kid can you go in and do that sport um can you deliver that sport so I I absolutely love netball and I still work for netball New South Wales casually but I decided to do a few of my little relays and games using netball bibs and and netball balls so yeah so use your strengths draw to your strengths
0: Yeah. I love it. That's awesome. Well, this has been really helpful. I think it's a really great framework for anyone who wants to grow their fitness business in this, in the kids direction. Um, if anybody wanted to reach out to you, how, how could they contact you?
1: Yeah. So my Instagram is Ali fit fantastic, ALI fit fantastic. And my Instagram, my Facebook is fit fantastic. So they can reach me online. I'm always on there. (laughs)
0: That's awesome. Well, you clearly have social media uh, skills with 20,000 followers and a really exciting growing business. So I'm excited to hear how it goes and I'm sure you'll have a big staff um, in the next few years.
1: Yeah. Thank you. It was amazing to talk to you and I hope you and all your listeners are going really well today.
0: Thanks. Appreciate it. Thanks so much, Allie. Thank you. See you later. Hey, thanks for listening. Oh, I have three freebies. Number one, get your full edited transcription with bullet points of the key lessons from today's show on our website, fitnesssecrets.co. That's fitnesssecrets with an S at the end .co. While you're there, subscribe to our newsletter, which gets you access to our monthly freebie marketing and operations content that you can use for your own fitness business. Freebie number two. If you enjoyed the show, make sure to subscribe to the show in your podcast player by hitting the subscribe button. Since the show happens because of listeners like you, could you also leave a review? If you email us your review at support at fitnesssecrets.co, you'll receive a complimentary one-hour coaching call with me and a $150 credit towards the first challenge that we will be releasing soon. Finally, freebie number three. We started the Fitness Secrets Facebook group. I know thinking and designing of new marketing campaigns, planning out your operations each month for your fitness clients is exhausting. Our goal is for the group to help you plan out your marketing, plan out your operations so you can get more clients efficiently. To join, go to facebook.com and search Fitness Business Secrets. Thanks so much for listening. I can't wait to talk to you in the next episode.